Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, happy to join you today. And as you can see, I'm not in person at our Espanola campus. If you're in, uh, joining us from our Little Kern campus today or you're watching uh, Church Online, uh, it's not too different except for the backdrop today. But uh, I'm actually uh, ministering and teaching today at Cornerstone Community Church in Lively. And so uh, I've recorded this video so that we can be together today in Espanola, Little Current Church Online. We can continue our Vision Sunday series of messages, but I can also uh, partner with Cornerstone Community Church as uh, Pastor Kyle and his team are away today. So I'm stepping in just to uh, be a blessing to uh, those people uh, at Cornerstone Community Church. So uh, grateful to be, have the opportunity to be there. And just excited that we can do all this together. So let's uh, jump into what God has in store today. Before I open uh, the scriptures, just want to remind our guys, we found out this week, $50 for the men's retreat that's coming up uh, this coming Friday and Saturday. It includes meals and accommodations. So wives, get your guys out of the house, kick them out, and we're happy to take uh, them down to Spring Bay. So if you're interested, shoot me an email or call our church office whenever you feel like it. All right, let's jump into today's message. You've already heard about that stuff. Pastor Andy's already given all the announcements. Uh, so we're just glad to be together. So last week we kicked off our fall focus on vision and a Vision Sunday messages. And today is the second part. We're, we're doing it over two weeks this year. Uh, so today is our second part. We're going to focus on our core values at Northern Life Church. Uh, I don't believe I've spent actually enough time talking about core, value, core values in the last year or two with our uh, Northern Life Church family. So today we're going to take a bit of a deep dive of sorts into the topic of core values at Northern Life Church, all right? I believe uh, this is something, just a principle in my life. I hope you uh, feel the same way. If you don't, that's okay, but it's not a biblical thing. It's just a principle in life. I believe well-run organizations, no matter if they're large or small, have a vision and mission statement as well as core values. Let me say it again. I believe well-run organizations have a vision and mission as well as core values. Uh, before I get too far into things today, uh, let's take a look at this scripture passage. It's been on my heart lately. I want to share it with you once again today. It comes from Matthew 5, chap uh, chapter 5, verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I'm sharing this today because I want us to reflect on the great calling that Jesus speaks over us to this day. Jesus has called you, he's called me, he's called us together. This is a great calling that he's called us to. It's actually both a great compliment and a great responsibility that he's called us to. When Jesus says, you, when he says, you are the light of the world, he's speaking to every single one of us. He's not pointing the finger and just speaking to one person. He's not just speaking to me or another church leader. No, he is speaking to every single one of us. You see, church, we are chosen by him. We're chosen by the Lord Jesus. His illustration to us reveals that we cannot hide the light that is from him. When Jesus, when that light is inside of us, the truth is, is we cannot hide that light that he's put within us. And we can't hide it from, the pe from people around us. We don't just receive the light of Christ, but we 
give the light of Christ. We share the light of Christ with those around us. In fact, we know that the light Jesus speaks of here must be shared and shown to those around us. We do that through our acts of kindness and how we love and treat one another. So when I think of our core values, I think of the great calling we have from our Lord Jesus Christ. I think of the opportunity, challenge, and responsibility that he's given to each and every one of us. Jesus has chosen each and every one of us. You are chosen by God today. I want to share this uh, purpose, this kind of statement. We're, we're, we're going to adopt it into our uh, core values for our Northern Life Church family. It's a bit of a phrase, a sentence. Uh, I guess we got maybe one too many phrases now, but I'm going to share it with us. And it's simply this. The words will be on the screen. Core values are the foundation of all we do at Northern Life Church. They articulate deeply held beliefs that inform our priorities. These values create a guide that helps Northern Life Church achieve its goals. Isn't that great? I think it's really, really great. I was inspired with this this week. Core values uh, probably help me personally more than many of us. Some of you uh, at church today in Little Kern or Espanola, maybe even at home or sitting in your vehicle somewhere, you just paused and checking us out online. The truth is, is that uh, core values, uh, I think, probably help me more than many of us. Some of you may not really care too much about our core values, it, but it, I, this is why I love core values so much, and I think you should as well. It helps guide my thought process and helps keep me focused on what I believe God has called us to as a church. There's a lot of great things the churches do. I don't want to stir anything up today, but there's a lot of great things that churches across our country, across North America, and all over the world that they do in their local communities, programs, initiatives, whatever you want to call it, that have great success and do great things. But the truth is, sometimes those things, even though they're great, they don't actually advance the mission of God's kingdom. So our core values, I hope, will put us in a position where we are looking forward to see God's kingdom advance across our region. And it, it, the core values, again, helps my thought process and helps me stay focused on what I believe God has called us to as a church. If there is an opportunity that will impact God's kingdom and it aligns with our core values, then we will absolutely go for it. Let me say it again. If there is an opportunity that will impact God's kingdom and it aligns with our core values, then we will absolutely go for it. And I'm going to share more about that a little later on. We will absolutely go for what God is calling us to. Of course, he would call us into things that we're already called to in our core values. So here's the first one. These are really basic. I think any church could take them on. They're nothing really special about it. I do think these are things we are called to, but any church and any, any individual could take these things on. So here's our first core value. And it's actually, I would put it at number one. I think it's super important. Word of God, the Bible. Well, you could say to me, Pastor, what is the Word of God? Well, if someone asked me that question, I would simply hand them a Bible and say, this is the Word of God to his people. 2 Timothy 2, verse 16 says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I love this passage. You've heard me say it before if you've been around for a little while. All scripture is breathed up by God. I always feel like there are sermons within sermons, uh, messages within the messages. There's a game within the game, they would say, in sports. So I'll keep it brief on this topic today. We're not going to go too deep today on this. 
But Paul, the writer here, knew what he was saying when he spoke these words and wrote them down, that all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is breathed out by God. It's no mistake or random thought when we read the scriptures and the writings that are before us today. One commentator wrote this, Paul changed his wording here because he recognized that what God uniquely brought forth from the apostles and the prophets in his time was also scripture. It was also the God-breathed word of God. This included what he and others knew was emerging as the written form of the foundation of the apostles and prophets mentioned. So we have these things happening. There's words, even for Paul in the early church and the New Testament times as they were being unfolded before those people, there was the teachings uh, and, the, and the apostles uh, knew about of the prophets and what was already scripture, the Old Testament, those writings were already in existence. Uh, when we think of what uh, the apostles were referring to about the prophets and the old writings, the Old Testament, this is actually referring to Ephesians 2, verse 20, where it says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So the emphasis is that it all comes together. All these things come together. The words of Scripture, just like uh, our, our passage from 2 Timothy says, the words of Scripture were breathed out by God, and man, just people like you and me wrote them down. Mankind wrote them down. It's breathed out from God himself. These words, it's not just me sitting there writing some stuff down. No, no, these words are breathed out by God. God didn't uh, literally breathe through these human writers, we don't think. But God did breathe out of them his holy word. The words that are written are, we, we view them and accept them as God's word to us. Today, even though it's just people like you and me wrote them down on whatever they had access to at that time, uh, you know, 2,000 years ago, God did breathe out of them his holy word. Some think that anyone could write a book and claim that it is from God. Hey, any of us here today, we could write down some random thoughts and be like, this is from God. The truth is, if the Bible didn't claim it was God breathed, we could say, well, the Bible itself claims there's no inspiration. But you see, every generation has tried to put the final nail in the coffin that will bury the Bible. Every, think about it, every generation ever in existence has tried to put that final nail in the coffin. Except that it's never happened, and it never will happen. The Bible is, listen to this, the Bible is the number one selling book in history and continues to be to this day. Book publishers don't count the Bible in their top ten selling book lists because it's never left number one, and it will never leave number one. And there's actually so many Bibles are handed out across the world today, that like free and all that kind of stuff, that there's actually really no way to count how many are being handed out. But even the ones that are just sold in countries like Canada, it would always be the number one. In fact, there's no equal when it comes to the Bible. No book in history is like it. You see, there's no book like it in its continuity and consistency. There's no book like it in its honesty. There's no book like it in its circulation. There's no book like it in its survival. There's no book like it in its influence and life-changing power. 
There's nothing like the word of God, the written word of God. Second Peter 1 verse 19 says, and we have the prophetic word for more fully confirmed to which you uh, will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining, like I mentioned earlier, in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Church, the, the word of God it is no joke. It is God's word. The scriptures, the Holy Scripture, they're God. It's God's word to us. It's real. It's alive. It's breathing still to this day. It's God's worth word to us. You see, these aren't just words. They're not just happy thoughts, nice, nice thoughts that we find in scripture today. They are holy and from God. That's why people like me get jacked up about it. It's not just written mumbo jumbo. No, it's holy and from God. So we cherish them and hold fast to his truths, no matter what the culture around us says. As you know, there's some countries in the world that ban the scriptures. They, for whatever the reason, and we won't get into that today. And you know, sometimes I wonder what will happen even in our own country when it comes to the Bible as time moves forward. But no matter what happens, it doesn't change the fact that there is no book and there never will be one like the Bible. Let me say it again. There's no book like it in its continuity and consistency. There's no book like it in its honesty. There's no book like it in its circulation. There's no book like it in its survival. There's no book like it in its influence and life-changing power. You read the Bible, you will be changed. Even if you try not to be, even if you read it and said, I'm not going to be changed. I dare you. Read it. Read the Bible and see what happens. You can even start just in the New Testament. You know, most of it's already, uh, you know, three-quarters of the Bible, you don't even have to read. Just read the New Testament. You will be changed. If you start from the beginning, you'll see the whole story and everything that's unfolded. Here's our next one. That's, that's just our first one, so i got to get going here. Here's our next one. Core values. Uh, so here's our second core value, mission. Uh, here's a quote. Interest in missions is not an elective in God's university of grace. It is something in which every disciple is expected to major. Uh, that's from H.A. Ironside. One year ago uh, this week, I've kind of been a bit sentimental in the last couple of days. One year ago this week, I was in Sweden with my wife Arlene and our boys, and we were really there for a trip of a lifetime. I really would like to go back, and I hope someday that I can. I've been to uh, the country of Sweden two times in my life. Once, of course, was last year, and I went when I was 19 years old. I was in Europe briefly for barely 24 hours a number of years ago, uh, and that, that's it. That's my experience in Europe. But I do enjoy being in Europe. I've spent a couple weeks there a few times. I do enjoy being in Europe. Well, why is that? Why, why do you care so much about Europe? Well, when I'm in Europe, it, I'm reminded that our, that our ways are not the ways of everyone else. Actually, I lived in England for three months. I guess that counts, too. I always forget. <laughs> Anyways, but I'm reminded when I've, when I've been in other countries in Europe, lived in other countries in Europe, I'm reminded that our ways are not the ways of everyone else. In Canada, we... I uh, think that, oh, everyone's like us, and that's actually not the case. It's really not true at all. We get trapped in this part of the world thinking the way we think and the way we do things is the way everyone does things. Of course, everyone would want to be just like us. We kind of think like that. We don't always admit it, but we kind of think like that. I've done a few uh, missions trips uh, over the years. One in particular, one missions trip in particular, changed my life significantly. 
Ten years ago, I was in Uganda in Africa, meeting the people there, learning about how the local church served the community, in, uh, specifically in Kampala, Uganda. And that's changed me. And the truth is, uh, I'll never be the same. If you had, a, as I didn't know some of you uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but if you had known me before I went there, you would see a different person than you see today. Of course, yes, I'm older, but there's other things too, all right? I, it's changed. It changed the way I, I lead. It changed the way I see God. It changed the way uh, how I treat people, how all sorts of things have changed in my life. It changed my expectation of the local church, even in our own country. Here's another thought. I could take a few of you in my truck today, and we could drive no more than a few hundred kilometers, even less, from our Espanola campus, let's say. And we could drive and we could drive away to communities that would actually, if we spent just a few moments, not even a long time, just a few moments uh, talking with people and listening, we would uh, find communities that would actually shift how we think and do things in our own lives. Believe it with all my heart. You don't have to go far, even within our own country. You see, missions doesn't need to take you to the other side of the world at all for God to use us or God to work through us. In fact, I believe that missions should start right here in our own Jerusalem, using a scripture reference, right at home. Missions can start right here. The people we interact with on a daily basis are the people that God has given to us to, to love and to lead and to teach and to share the good news that Jesus is alive. This is the word of our Lord Jesus from Mark chapter 16, verse 15. It says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out uh, demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Missions in the context of this passage teaches us a few things. It teaches us to teach and preach the gospel to everyone. Nobody gets excluded from hearing the gospel, the good news, that Jesus is alive. Someone must believe and be baptized. It's important for us to believe in Jesus Christ, to put our trust in him. I talked about this last week. We must have faith in Jesus. We must confess with our mouth, believe in our heart. Someone must believe and be baptized. We know that not believing in Jesus does mean being condemned. Just as the scripture says, not believing in Jesus means eternity without him. Eternity without Jesus. You see, church, there's also a supernatural power in each of us that believes when we say that Jesus is Lord of our life when we confess his name with our mouth and believe it in our heart and say that Jesus is Lord, that he is the Christ. It actually gives us supernatural power in each of us that believes. The examples of, uh, you know, here of uh, grabbing a snake or drinking poison, do not do that, okay? That's taken out of context. But we know that when we lay hands on the sick, they will recover. When we pray for people, people get healed. Uh, maybe in a, in a kind of a metaphorical sense, if we grab the head of the snake, we have authority to grab the powers around us and say, no, not anymore. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
I'm grateful for our missions team to Cuba this year. I want to transition to this part of missions. I'm grateful for our missions team to Cuba this year. This is us achieving one of our core values. We've talked about missions being a core value at Northern Life Church for many years. You've heard me talk about it. And this year, we get to put it into literal practice. When I wrote these core values, probably around five years ago is when I started working through it and coming up with these things. I was dreaming of a day where we could be a sending church, sending a missions team. Not just giving money, not just sending things, but actually being a sending church where people from our local church go to another part of the world and minister. They preach and teach and share the good news that Jesus is alive. And I'm so excited that we're sending a missions team this year. Those days are here. We, I don't have to wait any longer. It's something to get pumped up and excited about. I'm inspired by the sacrifice and enthusiasm of the team that's headed to Cuba this February. I really am. I'm excited and inspired by them. We'll be giving opportunity to sow into, uh, financially so into the Cuba missions team and their work and I'll have more details about that next week when we kick off our Givetober uh, Missions Month. But uh, we're excited for what God is doing in and through the QA team. Let's keep going. Another one of our core values is spiritual family. I'm going to read a, a passage today. It may be a little odd, but I'm, I'm hoping you'll uh, follow along with me to the end here. It's from Acts 16. I'm going to start in verse 25, and we're going to go down to verse 34. It says this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, these guys were in jail at that moment. So Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was uh, were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Their shackles were done. Verse 27, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Verse 29, and the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembled, uh, trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Just imagine the scene. He falls down before Paul and Silas. Then, verse 30, then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? All right, here we go. It's getting good. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized, this jailer was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Here's verse 34. So we see this amazing series of events take place in just this uh, brief passage. Verse 34. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. This is obviously a powerful passage of scripture for us today. As I read this passage, I can obviously, uh, we, you know, we can learn, I can learn many things out of it. One theme that jumps a little for, uh, out to me today is family. This jailer, so broken and with fear, is brought immediately to salvation. Think about it. He's about to end his life by his own hand, and immediately he's transformed and saved. Brought into salvation. And the rest of his family, because of God's grace and the testimony 
of Paul and Silas in that moment. I love the path, how the passage ends in verse 34. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. My prayer is that our lives will look a lot more like this. It may seem a little wild, a little crazy, but you can see the joy that's within this text written into this passage. What does spiritual family look like through the ministry of the local church? What does it look like? At Northern Life Church in Espinal, a little current, and for Church Online family, what does that look like? Well, here's a few thoughts. First off, a Christian home, a church, is a place where the Lord reigns. So at Northern Life Church, we are declaring that the Lord reigns. I obviously would encourage you to do the same in your house. You could write this on your walls if you're a painter or something like that. A Christian home, a church, is a place where the Lord reigns. This is a place where the Lord reigns. This isn't just for our church family. This is for your home as well. The Lord must reign in our homes just as much as in our church. Here's our next one here. A Christian home, a church, is a place where love reigns. The culture around us has hijacked the word love to mean all sorts of things we're not going to talk about today. But our homes must reflect the love that Jesus Christ has shown to us. We must love what we feel is unlovable. Do you know the things in your life that you are embarrassed to talk about or maybe you've ignored and you don't even admit to anymore? Whether it's sin or just ramifications of different things that have happened in your life. Jesus loves you. He loves every part of you. And our homes must reflect that love that Jesus Christ has shown us. How do we do this, Pastor? How do we... I express this love and show this love to others around us, even to accept this love in our lives. How do we do it? Through the power of Holy Spirit. That's how. That's how we accept this love. That's how we learn about this love is through the power of the Spirit. And why do we do this? Why do we love one another? Why do we learn to love ourselves in a greater way? Well, this is simply the truth. Because Christ first loved us. Jesus first loved you and me. Before time began, he loved us. He knew us by name. And that love that Jesus has shown us, that first love that Christ has shown towards us is something which none of us deserve. Not one of us deserve the love that Jesus has for us. Not one. I've never met anybody. Don't try to uh, mess it up. Not one person. A Christian home, a church, we'll go to the next one here. A Christian home, a church is a place where the Bible reigns. We must make sure that we put the scriptures before our personal opinions. I have so many examples for the sake of time. I'm not going to get into any of them today. We've already talked a lot about scripture. But the, the Bible must reign as truth in our homes. That's good. Let's uh, begin to wrap up here. we got two more, I believe. The Bible reigns. Let's move on. Here's our next core value, generosity. I touched on this last week a little bit. But generosity is a part of who we are. I want to challenge us to be generous. I, I gave that prophetic word last week. It clicked with so many of us. God's called us to get some bigger buckets. Some of you are like me. Our buckets have been too small. So when it's overflowing, it's just a small bucket overflowing. We need bigger buckets. Not just with our finances, but with anything we can be generous with. Jesus warns us about holding on to treasures of this world. Some of us, we actually got some decent stuff by worldly standards, but we're holding on to it. Matthew 19, verse 21 says this about the rich young ruler. It says, 
I, I, yeah, verse, uh, Matthew chapter 19, verse 20, excuse me. It says, the young man said to him, Jesus, all, he said to Jesus, all these I have kept, what do I still lack? It's kind of an arrogant statement. I don't need anything, Jesus. Who are you talking about? Verse 21, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sor sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I think for us today, this serves to us as a reminder that we must be radical. Hear this. We must be radical in our pursuit to forsake materialism. Let me say that again. We must be radical in our pursuit to forsake materialism. Materialism will always keep us from God's plans because we will be handcuffed by its grip, just like the rich young ruler. If God calls us somewhere, but we have so many financial commitments that we can't get out of, we can't go, right? You understand what I'm saying? You see, being generous reminds us that our worth is not in what we own, but who we are. Being generous reminds us that our worth is not in what we own, but who we are. And that's simply we follow the Lord Jesus. We have all of our value in the things of God in Christ Jesus. Here's our final core value development. If the worship team would uh, join me, we're going to try something different here as we go. Pastor Chris, come on up. But core, our final core value development. I'm going to actually uh, conclude with how we began our Vision Sunday message last week. The core value, with the core value of development, let's talk about that, is this core value development is very important to us. Last Sunday, I started with our vision statement, and I think it connects here. Northern Life Church is leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We must be developing our relationship with Jesus. We also must see others developing their re relationship with Jesus. You see, church, I don't want anyone to feel uh, disappointed in themselves in any way. We are all in different places in our faith journey, and that's okay. None of us are, have arrived at where we're going. Even the uh, person who's known Jesus the longest in our Northern Life Church family, we've not arrived. We've not, I've not arrived. I've got so many more things in God to grow in and learn about Jesus. I've got so much to learn. You know, we learned last week when it comes to uh, the question, are you saved? There's three parts to the answer. Simply, we have being set free from the penalty of sin. So yeah, we're saved. We've been set free. And then the second part is we're being set free from the power of sin. You and I today, we are being set free from the power of sin. And then the third part, we will be set free from the presence of sin. That's where eternity is. There's no sin in eternity with Jesus. It's gone. It's erased. So as we lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, we are leading them through these different stages of salvation. If you confess that you believe in, in Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart, as I mentioned earlier, Romans 10 verse 9, you are saved. Just like that jailer, he goes through this experience, the jail doors fling open, the shackles come off. It's crazy, he's about to end his life. Paul says, no, stop. And immediately... The word of the Lord speaks to him, and he confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see, church, we, with a full view of Jesus, can see his glory. That's what's different about us today living uh, in the New Testament uh, time period. We can behold the glory of Jesus. We can look and gaze upon his face where you couldn't, of course, in the Old Testament. We each and every one of us are being transformed. Today, I believe that we are being transformed in Jesus' name. I'm not just up here because I like it and want to share these words. No, it's because I believe in transformation. I believe that we are being saved and transformed into the image of Jesus. One step of glory at a time, just like a staircase. Uh, you know, when I go up the stairs late at night when everyone else is already in bed and I, my stairs creak like crazy, but one step at a time, I'm going to bed. The same idea, one step, we are going into another degree of glory to another, to another, to another with Jesus. Because we are walking in step with the Lord who is the Spirit. I shared this scripture off the top. I mentioned it's on my heart. and I want to share it with everyone today. Matthew 5, uh, verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light sh so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Just before the worship team leads us in another song to end our time together today, I want to pray. I want to welcome the Lord's presence into our uh, gathering again. And we're going to believe today that we are transformed. We are, we've grown in faith in the things of God today. Just hearing these scriptures, just hearing the word of the Lord spoken over us today. So let's pray. So God, when we come together, we know that your word is breathed out by you. Every word that's been spoken comes from your spirit. God, today I just pray for everyone in Little Current, everyone at our Espanola campus, everyone uh, watching church online, Lord, I pray that these words will have sunk deep into our hearts and our minds, into our lives. Father, would you be with us today? Lord, we thank you for the mighty things you've done in our lives. God, I pray that you would minister and strengthen us today. Lord, I pray for our Little Current Campus family. I pray for our Espanola Campus family. Lord, I pray for those that are watching church online, our, our online campus family. God, I pray that you'd be with us. Lord, I think of those that watch these uh, messages weeks, months, even years after the fact. Lord, I just pray that you would stir on our hearts a renewed sense of your spirit. So God, would you be upon us? Holy Spirit, come, I pray. Holy Spirit, minister to us, strengthen us. Come once again, Lord. We think of these core values with you. Uh, just help us really take them on in our spirits. God, as we move forward and we grow together as a church. So God, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for your spirit and your presence. And I thank you that we can be together like this uh, today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. All right, church, why don't you get up? Pastor Chris is going to lead us in worship today. <laughs> 